0: And welcome back to another episode of the Thoughtful Christianity Podcast. I'm Jay Broom here, as always, with me. That's right. Here with me. Myself <laughs> and I, I guess. G <laughs> um, Easy? No. Did I Did you ever listen to you know, that song? I know that's an, a musical artist of some sort. <laughs> I don't know anything more than that. So Wow.
1: That was a what Jesus I joke. Say? Man. I'm, I am such a sinner.
0: Yeah, I'm disappointed in you and I pray for your sanctification. <laughs> oh, um, sorry, did I, I say
1: G I meant Sovereign Grace Music. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's what
0: that's what the G stands for. Name, I think. Grace.
1: Grace yeah. Easy.
0: Yeah, so I guess this is where I kick off the podcast by asking Josh a random question. Are oh, um, you bet. Josh, what is your favorite roller coaster ride at Busch Gardens Williamsburg?
1: Wow. Hmm. Okay. I this is going to be divisive for those who have been to Busch Is Gardens it going to be divisive
0: or divisive? Divisive. I think divisive
1: isn't divisive the right thing. I don't
0: know. Okay. Well, then I'm going to go always with divisive. Said divisive. Some people divisive. So say divisive.
1: Well, they're wrong.
0: You heard it here, folks. It's a it's they're a divisive wrong. topic. I would say. <laughs>
1: I would say Loch Ness monster is the best. Because here's what, here's, let me, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> all right, here we, here we go. You want something that's going to be good all the time. The really energetic, like, really intense roller coasters are great, but I'm not going to ride Alpengeist or Griffin or, um, a like 20 times, but you know, I could ride Loch Ness Monster 20 times and be fine. Whoa. It's awesome. verbolton the new one newish one i guess is a close second because it's dope
0: i love that drop okay yeah so i was gonna say like i asked this question completely like kind of made it up just now i know i don't know the last time i've been there and i'm almost certain they've got gotten new roller coasters since my absence so you know this is more like what was your favorite you know bush gardens ride in like 2012 is really what i'm asking still Loch Ness monster wow that's interesting because i always felt like that you said like the the re ride ability is your yeah, metric man. there right mm-hmm. okay Because so i feel like the double like upside down thing that's like that might be a lot i mean that might be hard Personally? really
1: i don't know it's just funny to me that like i grew up And, like, I guess the height requirements, I viewed that as, like, a metric for intensity. So, like, Big Bad Wolf, it was the first one I ever rode. Then Loch Ness, and then Alpengeist, and then Apollos Chariot, right? And so, in my, like, little tiny child dumb person mind, I thought, like, okay, like, these are different levels. And, like, and so, obviously, I thought of them that way. So, Loch Ness is pretty low.
0: Wow. Interesting. Yes. I almost definitely remember an occurrence where i was there with somebody or a group of somebodies and the park was very much like empty and we actually rode i think he was apollo's chariot up on guys like probably four or five times i remember that was being dope that's awesome i feel like those were rewritable but yeah I, no know, they are this is your opinion this is, this is my pirate it. ship, Jay. Oh, week too. <laughs> That's right. All aboard.
1: Yo, ho, we made uh, Also, <laughs> a big shout out to Alex Kinney, who is our, I, I want to say producer, but we don't pay him. <laughs> But he is our he is our guy. He edits for us. We love him. He does great work. And last week, Jay, you gave him on a silver platter so much opportunity to add just the nicest amount of chaos to our podcast. So if you enjoyed he all the pirate the sounds, man. yeah, he's he is the third man. So thank you, Alex. We welcome, we welcome, we welcome.
0: The man behind the magic. The man behind the magic. Exactly. Yeah. You also gave him carte blanche to like, you know, open (laughs) Pandora's box with the editing. So I'm not upset. Not in the slightest bit. We were actually listening to it a little bit before we hopped on the recording.
1: If you haven't heard the podcast on heaven, on where Christians go when you die, go to it. I mean, I think the topic's good. I think we cover it uh, decently, at least. But Alex definitely took some leeway with some pirate-themed music and references. You will not be disappointed, especially if you
0: like Pirates of the Caribbean. That podcast episode is like if you went into the video game settings and turned on like the funny sound effects cheat
1: code. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that is exactly it. Okay, so... What are we talking about, Josh? Josh? Well, we are going to begin a series, question mark, because it's our pirate ship and we might not. But for right now, we're going to start at least going through a wonderful, mystical, magical document. Uh, It's only the first of those three things. The BFM2K, also known as the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Jay, like, I guess a, a proper way to start talking about this document is just to say like what is it Baptist faith and message
0: yeah so it's a summary of the Baptist faith kind of distilled down to its its roots its basic yeah. constituents it's kind of a summary where they you know have a couple paragraphs on a topic with some scripture references and they kind of have a little prelude where it talks about like what it is and what it isn't. It's not meant to be an all inclusive thing, but it just generally strives to stake out what it is that Southern Baptists believe.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that like one thing that might strike people as like odd, you know, it's like, Oh, Baptist faith. What about the Christian faith is this is a denomination which it's technically not a denomination, by the way, Southern Baptist Convention,
0: not Ooh. denomination, but Good catch.
1: um yeah, I had to catch myself there. It is a group of Christians who agree on major doctrine, right? So Christians as a whole agree on certain doctrines. A lot of people would call that primary. They would also call that orthodoxy, meaning if you don't agree on these, you're in heresy. You're heterodox heterodox exactly Ooh. um and so we would say mormons who believe that christ is a created being well that's not that is a foundational belief of all christians and therefore that's a heresy in that group who i think we can rightly call them a cult not like a crazy well maybe i don't know but <laughs> i'm i'm certainly not saying that they are a crazy like manipulation cult though they may be who knows probably someone else, but cult as in they are claiming Christianity. They adhere slightly to our scripture, and yet they have denied a foundational tenet. And so where the BFM comes in is it first off says those foundational Orthodox tenets, and then it also gives us our Baptist distinctives, meaning when you say Southern Baptist, what are you saying that is not going to be Presbyterian, which is not going to be Anglican, which is not going to be Episcopalian. You're saying, I am a Southern Baptist, and therefore that holds meaning. And basically what the Baptist faith and message does is it tells you what the meaning of that word is. Uh, and in that, it's really helpful. It's really useful.
0: Yes. And maybe do we say it out outright? Like this is a document adopted by the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole. And I mean I don't know the stipulations for being included inside of the Southern Baptist Convention, but I imagine having some level of alignment with this document is probably necessary.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tricky subject. Southern Baptists are one of our distinctives is the autonomy of each congregation. Yes. And so while our distinctives are in the Baptist faith and message. One of our distinctives prevents us from being super dogmatic, for better and for worse. But one thing we can say is that all seminaries, for sure, have to every faculty member, every person, every staff, every teacher has to affirm the Baptist faith, the message, and the Abstract of Principles, which is a document founded uh, that was written at Southern.
0: Mm. So, yeah, and things like this in particular. I guess we can say briefly are not unique to the Baptist faith. No, there's definitely not. <laughs> um, though it does say, I will say in our defense, in the first, one of the first paragraphs it talks about how throughout our history, we have been a confessional people adopting statements of faith as a witness to our beliefs and a pledge of our faithfulness, the doctrines revealed in Holy scripture. So hmm. evidently there is some historical precedent amongst the Baptist, but Again, the idea of summarizing your beliefs in a somewhat of a concise way, something yeah. not so concise, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> Westminster Catechism and Confession. Yeah. Um, is more common amongst other quote unquote denominations. Yeah. With Presbyterians,
1: but, I think being the most, the easiest example with the Westminster yeah. Cate- uh, Confession of Faith.
0: And I think we would be in agreement in saying that they're good, good things to have.
1: Yeah. So R.C. Sproul, when he wrote his exposition of the Westminster Confession called Truth We Hold, I believe, or Truth We Confess. Truth We Confess? Yes. He tells a story. Actually, I believe it's, it might be um, Sinclair Ferguson writing the foreword tells a story of two moms who are at a Christian church camp and... All night, the kids are asking them these hard questions, and one of the moms just just keeps answering them, like killing it, you know, just has answer after answer after answer. And the other mom turns to her after, and is like, how did you know to answer all those? Like, those are specific questions. Those are relevant questions. Those are hard questions. And the mom who was doing all the answering just said, well, if you know your Westminster Catechism, which is the question and answer version of the confession – most of those are, are basic. Most of those are written there. Like the, the more you know this document, the easier even the hard questions come uh, become to answer. And I would argue something very similar happens with Baptists and knowing their confession. A lot of the debates – so church history taught me this, and I'll, I'll stop my tangent after this, I promise. <laughs> but but church, studying church history taught me one thing more than anything else is we're having debates in the church today that were solved thousands of years ago. And the reason why we have to have them again, isn't because they didn't do a good enough job. It's because we're ignorant to the fact that they already solved them.
0: Uh, That's what church history taught me.
1: Like debates I was having in myself about how to explain the deity of Christ were explained in literally the four hundreds. Like it, and and so I would say, like, this document may not seem like much, but it may hold finished arguments that you are actually having right now. Mm. Man. Did we hype it enough, Jay? Little,
0: it's a good little clincher there. Mm. And that's why you study church history, boys and girls. Yep. Absolutely. But always. that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. I promise. No, I don't. Um, so... I think our plan is to just tackle the first article today. And then, again, we will continue to progress at whatever pace we want because this is our pirate ship. This is our pirate ship. (laughs) At first,
1: I thought you were quoting Pirates of the Caribbean when you first said that. And then when I realized that it's just you, I'm like, oh, man, like it's free real estate. This is
0: ours now. Emphasis. Italics, or does it italics added by officer? Emphasis not my own or emphasis <laughs> added by the author. Yeah. Boom. So Jay, before we go through the entire like this uh paragraph
1: in depth, let's just kind of give a teaser trailer. What kind of topics are gonna be talked about? It's Ooh. I'm just gonna give you there's 17 chapters. I'm gonna rapid fire tell you what the titles are for them, and then we'll get going. The scriptures, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit man, salvation, God's purpose of grace, the church, the baptism and the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Day, the kingdom, last things, evangelism and missions, education, stewardship, cooperation, the Christian and the social order, peace and war, religious liberty, and the family. I feel like the latter half is full of things that we're having those debates right now and people maybe not realizing that there are some Baptist distinctives on that question. I think I'm going to be one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, I will admit that while I have read the Baptist faith, and message, and I have signed my name to a line as a seminary student, it's been a while. And it deserves another repeat, so I'm I'm excited for us to go through them, maybe. All right, Jay, so we are starting, finally, with a very long introduction, a Matt Chandler-esque introduction, because these are like 30 minutes long. Don't talk with and, my man like that. Mm, Matthew Chandler. But let's go ahead and get into the meat of the podcast today.
0: All right. You going to read or am I going to read? Oh, please read for me. Oh yeah, wow, what a gentleman so willing to defer. <laughs> okay, wow. The scriptures. Article one. The Holy Bible was written by men, divinely inspired, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us, and therefore is, and will remain, to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union and supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. Should we include the cited verses here? We uh, just yeah. People-
1: well, I, I'm going to type them out after, but let's go ahead and read them. So I'll, I'll do this part. Oh, Exodus 24, 4, Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2. Deuteronomy 17 19, Joshua 8 34, Psalm 19 7 10, Psalm 119, 11, 89, 105, and 140, Isaiah 34 16, Isaiah 48, Jeremiah 15 6, Jeremiah 36, 1 32, Matthew 5, 17 18, Matthew 22, 29, Luke twenty-one thirty-three, Luke twenty-four, forty-four through forty-six, John five thirty-nine, John sixteen, thirteen through fifteen, John seventeen, seventeen, Acts two, sixteen FF, seven uh Acts seventeen eleven, Romans one uh, fifteen four, Romans sixteen twenty-five through twenty-six, second Timothy three, fifteen through seventeen, Hebrews one one through two, Hebrews 4.12, 1 Peter 1.25, 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21 Excellent. What does the FF mean? Is that a footnote? Uh, if it's what I think it is, it's dividing the verse. So it would be referring to the, the, the last portion of it. Really? Wouldn't that mm-hmm. be like B then? Yeah, I have no idea why it's FF, to be honest. There's a reason I don't know it. But usually people indicate things through letters when they're trying to refer to a specific part of a verse.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just weird. It's, it's two Fs.
1: Yeah. And I actually looked at it and wasn't sure why it was yeah. even in there. Wait, which Man. one?
0: 2.16. Yeah.
1: Acts 2.16. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Yeah, so I would assume it's like this is what was spoken
0: through the Prophet Joel, but it's odd. Maybe we'll come back and, and give you an update. Is it like maybe calling reference to the citation in Joel? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's very possible. Uh, like I voice. said, I, I usually see that when – I don't see FF, but I do often see like A, B. Yeah, A, Like A. sometimes I in my sermon texts like that, but – Whatevs. Whatevs. So I guess what – the structure of this podcast is going to be, it's going to be a quick overview, but we're going to just read through and stop when we got some interest or we want to expound a little bit, do some expo- exposition.
0: Mm, that's the word. That is a, that's the, the buzzword. buzzword. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So we're going yeah, to go sentence by sentence and yeah, we're going to stop where we want. We're going to go fast where we want. This is, this is our this is what, ship. Josh.
1: This Ooh, is our pirate ship. You
0: already knew what I was going to say.
1: <laughs> i can read it. All right. Are you going to read it? How are we going to do uh, this? Yeah, I'll, I'll read sentence? the first sentence. We'll, we'll, we'll alternate. Oh. Very nice. Wrong. Yes. Cooperation. I believe that's Article 16. Oh, wow. You're you <laughs> down. It's not. I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man.
0: Period. Hmm. So it was written by men, right? So it, it it didn't come down in its completed form with leather cover and gold tipped <laughs> pages in a beam of light from heaven, right?
1: No, is what you're saying? it is not. And I think there's a there's a really valid verse to look at there. You know, First Peter one, uh, sorry, Second Peter one, nineteen through twenty which is one that I have actually written a few essays for school and stuff, but maybe I'll release them because I thought they were helpful. The men spoke as carried along by the Holy Spirit. And some people argue like that, oh, like they didn't know what they were doing. Oh, B.B. Warfield, who was really good at Greek, I might add, uh, and a great preacher. I'm a big fan of Warfield. He argues that Born along or carried along is this idea of like the men were carried to the intended destination of the Holy Spirit, but not by like force. They they moved as they willed towards the de- destination of the Holy Spirit, which was the scriptures in perfection.
0: But Jay, maybe we don't need to rehash. You're going to read that verse. Sure. Go for it. I have it. OK. So again, this is Second Peter 1, 19 through 21.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said 20, but 21 is good.
0: Yeah, and so
1: some people harp on no prophecy came from the will of men, but then it talks about men writing. And so we believe as Baptists, uh, a co-authorship, a dual authorship, that men wrote as they willed, and yet they were born along by the Holy Spirit to divine revelation, that they were speaking the words of God, and yet they were writing what they intended. And Jay... We don't actually have to spend as much time on this one. You know why? Because our why first that? podcast Boom. ever was in. on inspiration. Yeah. Now, so go back and reference that. I don't think it's on the platforms because I am having a lot of trouble getting the early podcast episodes on the platforms. But it is on our website. And you should be able to find it.
0: It's also probably really hard to listen to because it was our first one
1: yes give us grace it's a practice and uh patience but we did actually cover all of this so inspiration refer to that refer to warfield's essays uh, which are actually very easy to find just type in bb warfield inspiration and you'll find
0: them all right but let's dig down for just a second in this last half of the sentence because so it's god's revelation of himself to man right yeah so we we talk about how do we you know how do we know god wants you know like how, how do we talk to god quote unquote we know that we can pray Mm. to him we know that god speaks primarily through his word we don't believe in you know vision dreams where god speaks to you through these kind of serendipitous situations but we would say that his word is sufficient for instruction in our lives which i think is what we're going to get into a little bit more as we continue here but yeah and
1: well, I, I want to hit on that topic because I like what you said. Like people ask about talking. What? How does God talk to me? And a lot of us, me included, uh, this is actually an yeah. area that I struggle a lot. In my Christian walk, I'd say this is one of the primary points of contention in my life is we we all, and, and me included, crave more than we have. Uh, we all crave God talking to us in some mystical mystical way we all crave that still small voice we all crave something bigger than the bible and i was going through a massive bout of that kind of doubt in college and i read this little article by john piper called the morning i heard the voice of god and it talks it's amazing Just even the first sentence is, let me tell you about a most wonderful experience I had early Monday morning, March 19th, 2007, a little after six o'clock, God actually spoke to me. And it goes down maybe like, let's say maybe around 600 words. And it talks about this amazing experience. And I was eating it up. I mean, I was like frothing at the mouth, thinking about this amazing spiritual experience John Piper had until he said, this was breathtaking. It was very serious. It was almost a rebuke, at least a warning. He may as well have taken me by the collar of my shirt, lifted me off the ground with one hand and said with an incomparable mixture of fierceness and love, no, never, never, never exalt yourself, never rebel against me. So that's like the experience he was having. He says, he had said this to me. It was not just that he had said it. Yes, that is glorious. But he had said this to me. The very words of God were in my head. They were there in my head, just as much as the words that I'm writing in this moment were in my head. The thing that God had said in his head was a quote from Psalms. So at the end of the article, what you find out is that Piper had this amazing experience where God spoke to him when he was open to receiving the word of God in the Bible. So that's a really long detour, but I, that's one of my favorite articles on desiring God. So I'd highly recommend that one. Hmm. But yeah,
0: so we, again, we think this is the Bible is God's way of, speaking to us. God's mm-hmm. revelation of himself to man. It's how we know who he is, how we can describe his attributes, how we can understand his requirements upon us. But I'm also getting into what we're getting get Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. So I read sentence two. Go for it. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. Hmm. So I really did you spoil that, didn't I? You did. <laughs> It Man. is a perfect treasure of divine instruction.
1: Well, the word perfect is by design, right? Yeah. Yeah. Without error, it is the best that it could ever be. It's maximally good. But Jay, one thing I think that we ignore is the word instruction. And this has actually been something I've been learning in my devotions in the last, I'd say, two or three months, is the psalmist. So I guess it's been a little bit more than a. Yeah, it's been like two or three months because we're now in Proverbs. Jay and I are going through the Bible yeah, we together. Are. But when I was reading the Psalms, what came across me so vividly was that they craved the Lord to teach them so that they may not err. It's this desire, this longing to be instructed. So sometimes I think, Jay, when we talked about this in our little lunch update on the topic, we just glanced over divine instruction and wrote it off as, commandments, law, the things we must do. But it's not that. The word instruction carries along the idea of teaching. It carries along the idea of instructing. It's not a term that refers only to an entity or a noun as if like a commandment or a statute or a judgment. Instead, it has the idea of this is the Lord teaching you. So it's God's revelation of himself And it is him teaching you what you are to be, what you ought to be, what you should be, what you were made to be, your purpose. It is instruction in the Lord. It is instructing you in the way of the Lord. You want to know how God teaches you, how he shapes you, molds you, interacts with you? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. It's the perfect treasure
0: of divine instruction. So yeah, that's a good succinct point, right? It's like, When you are longing for enhancement in your Christian walk and you're feeling, I don't know what to do, in maybe a situation, we can understand that the Bible is full of divine instruction. So, yeah. Shall we go on? Oh, absolutely. Is it your turn to read? It's yours. I read a sentence too. No, you didn't. It is a treasure of divine instruction. Oh, never mind. I read it. I'm sorry.
1: I was just so enjoying this, these truths. Ahem. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. That is a well phrased sentence. Very well. constructed. Uh, some woods, some wordsmithing right there. Hmm. So I think we've we've hit on in the podcast on inspiration and even in the intro to this it is God for its author. We clearly well, believe a Baptist distinctive, but we would, I think I would argue an orthodoxy of Christianity is to believe that the word of God is in fact, the word of God, that the Bible is the divine
0: revelation. The name is apt. God's word is
1: God's yeah. <laughs> word. Yeah. And I, I think that this should serve as a warning. Like, it is heterodox to view the Bible any other way. It is outside the realm of what Christianity is foundationally to view the Bible in any other way. This is not a Baptist
0: distinctive. This is a Christian distinctive. Ooh, you said it. And I think that follows up, right? Because God says it, the end, you know, we get the, the back half of the sentence, right? It's truth and there's no mixture of error. Like, yeah. because God says it, it actually can't be wrong. And Like we said in the previous sentence, it's a perfect treasure. This is all wrapped up together because it's God's word. And when we understand who God is, yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect. All that stuff.
1: Yeah. But let's go to the middle of it. I think that's the very interesting part to me is salvation for its end. So like let's combine all three of the things we just talked about is God's revelation of himself to man, divine instruction and salvation for its end. So it's God's teaching. It reveals Himself, and salvation is for its end.
0: Josh, would you say it's God's lover to you?
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> Why do you do this to me so often? <sighs> I'm just trying to get a rant I, out of you.
1: <laughs> didn't you just get a rant from me? I'm looking at the bars for Whoa. like how much we're talking, and trust me, you already got one. I'm trying to get clicks, fam. Are we going to title
0: this? Josh owns you the You believe what Josh is about. Yeah. With truth and logic. Uh, uh, but yeah. But it, no. I- but not jokes aside. It's salvation for its end. So right. So a goal of the text. A goal or the goal? The goal. Good clarification is salvation, right? That mm-hmm. humans would read it that the words would convict which oh gosh which one is it is it hebrews 4:12 talks about how uh yeah word has the power to cut to I gotta find it to pierce and is living and active yeah and so sharper would, than did, any two-edged sword you said it yeah i gosh need to find it so I, I just did this my in my bible out.
1: study i just read this verse uh but it's always been one of my sounds favorites. sounds like somebody's
0: behind in the bible study then
1: No, my other Mm. Bible study. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're reading
0: through Hebrews this month. And that's true, we are. We're in like Hebrews 10, though. Yeah, all right. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, the scripture has this power, right? That it can cut... Sinners, right? It can make us aware of our sins, right? And aware of our transgression of the good and perfect, holy God, and that we might repent and trust, place our faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, aka salvation, right? So that is the purpose of this Bible, right? It it wants us to be saved, right? And we talk about God desires that all should be saved. And I don't know the reference for that, but
1: Timothy, it's a Timothy. Okay. No, and I, I agree. I Can I be honest here? I wish that the authors of this message had been a little bit more specific. It would have ruined the nice construction of the verse. But is salvation meaning just mere conversion the goal of Scripture, or is total salvation? Something Paul refers to salvation, he refers to it in justification, he refers to it in regeneration, he refers to it in sanctification, I might add and in glorification the whole path of the christian to the glorified state is in Paul's mind part of salvation mm. and so i would i would argue that that definition of salvation which i'm not sure if they meant it that way or not that pauline totally encompassing salvation that is the total end of scripture scripture wants to see you repent First, it wants to see you convicted of your sins, to know that you are, in fact, an enemy of God. Scripture's desire is for you to be broken over your sin and to humble yourself before Christ. Scripture's desire is for you to be converted and regenerated. Scripture's desire is for you to be justified before God and to be sanctified. Scripture will actually sanctify you. It is the ordinary means of grace. Just wrote an article on that, which I think is an important point. And then scripture wants to see you finally glorified.
0: That was a pretty good little uh, organic plug to your own work there, Josh. I
1: know. Yeah. If you're a big fan of self-promotion, this is the the way.
0: Welcome to the self-promotion podcast. (laughs) Rehash all of my articles. Yeah. And old podcasts. Oof. Yes. All right. Are we going to keep trucking? Yes. This time it is you, I know. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, again, we're kind of trotting on familiar ground here, right? But it's totally true. No mixture of error in the previous sentences and trustworthy, right? Because it's from God. Like if we can't trust, what's from God, literally what can we trust? Nothing because yeah. he invented trust. Boom. I mean, it's reliable, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
1: I almost wonder if the best application we could give to this to a Christian, besides them clarifying what they believe and what a Christian should believe, is like, the Bible's enough, man. Like, that's what we're saying. It's it's true and it's trustworthy. And it reveals God to man. It it is enough. You don't need to go outside of it to find
0: God. And Christians should not be ashamed of it. And when you're doing apologetics, don't just automatically concede that you just can't argue from the Bible. All right. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that because that is rant territory.
1: That is rant territory. I know. So I'm going to read the next sentence then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a doozy. Oh, it's a really good one. Oh, it's the long one. Should we break it yeah, up? Yeah, it is. Uh, no, Should we'll read it, it And all then the we're going to break it up. That's right. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union. And the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. Whew. It's a long sentence, but it's packed with interesting stuff. Jam packed. We gotta chop it up like a little sushi yeah. roll, real quick. And I, like, if I'm saying interesting. It, like, I think it's true. I, I ascribe to this document as true and reflecting the Bible. But you also look at it from like a historical side of like, it is interesting that what the authors of this in 2000 wanted to put in here. So, I mean, that's why I'm saying interesting. I don't know if anyone would have even thought that it was odd that I was using that word, but that's why. So, Jay, we both agreed that this first part is an interesting and, and kind of very important part.
0: So, what it's do you think important. about it reveals the principles by which God judges us? Well, it indicates that God is going to judge us or judges, Pat, present. Present tense. Present tense. So I don't know if that's really a sticking point for too many people, but yeah. So God, He is just, right? So He has to reward good and punish evil. That's His nature. And so He gives us a book that tells us what's good and what's bad, His principles of judgment. Yeah. What's
1: revealed in Scripture is the things that you are accountable for. And thank the Lord that He sent Christ, that we don't suffer judgment for how poorly we have stewarded what He's given us to be accountable for. But regardless if you've read it or not, all of the words of the Lord in this book you are accountable for. Some have a, a interesting view of themselves being perfect, but I would argue that a statement like this ends any notion of us being perfect in the flesh
0: you know when it's wild what god gives us a conscience that it kind of like helps us understand what's right and what's wrong like aka these yeah. principles without i mean you don't even necessarily have to read it right like i think most people have an inherent idea of like oh that was wrong or like mm-hmm. i was i shouldn't have done that or i feel guilty right Like it's inherent guilt
1: yeah i mean for your apologetics spent. I find that C.S. Lewis's argument from a moral Tao, which I know sounds super, I don't know why he gave it such a like a classic name, but like essentially the argument that all people have an innate sense of morality, I think that still stands as an incredible argument for God. The more you read scripture, the more your conscience will be re reattuned. Yes. For it's not always accurate, but it does. Like the reading the scriptures just confirms where your conscience was already telling you you should be. Yeah. Now let's keep rolling to the, probably I would say the
0: oddest part of this document, not, not this document, this paragraph in our preparations. We, we definitely pinpointed this pretty quickly where it says, and therefore is, and will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union. And that's that, Keyword slash turkey phrase right there. True True center center of Christian Christian union. union. The center. So I think that makes sense, right? We would hope that everything would be centered. We're talking about Christians, right? Christians want to center on the Bible. Christian union. I think the idea of all Christians can kind of circle back to the scriptures as a foundation. And obviously this document we get into the specifics of the Southern Baptist faith and beliefs. However, we can point to this along with anyone else that calls himself a Christian. In keeping with the orthodoxy that you mentioned earlier and say like, this is how we define our union. Like what makes us together in Christ? What makes us the title Christian? And that's, such
1: an important point is those who abandon the Bible as a inerrant and inspired document, they might say, Oh, I'm a Christian. And I would, it's such a self-defeating logic is like, Oh, well, what do you mean by Christian? And if you give me like Christian distinctives, I'd say, where did you come to find those things? And 10 out of 10 times, they found them not by self exploration, but they found them from the Bible. And if they are erring in any way, you know what you can't do? You can't say, hey, that's not what it means to be a Christian. Why? Because they don't believe that there is anything that tells you what it means to be a Christian. And so actually, it's funny. It's the same way that this document, the BFM, operates for Baptists is the way the scriptures operate for all Christians. Is You have this term that you are calling yourself, and it means absolutely nothing. And then it is defined by the document. So you're throwing around the term Christian. It's defined by what the Bible says. That's the Christian union is we can all say as Christians that we are interpreting the Bible faithfully and we might come to some different opinions, but we know for certain a few things. And for Baptists, you know, Southern Baptists, we say, yeah, like this term does mean something. It means what the BFM says it means. And there
0: was your rant. In keeping with that, in keeping with that the supreme standard by which all human conduct creeds and religious opinions should be tried by what standard oh yes precisely that is you know the classic question right And it dovetails with what we've said it is the supreme standard it's what we compare everything to we notice in where is it is it Romans 16 no yes no where is it? The Bereans searched the Scriptures, and they were more noble. Acts seventeen Acts seventeen.
1: You're yeah, right. Yeah, it's a favorite passage.
0: Yeah, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they yeah. searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things were true. And that's what we should be doing, right? Because they understood that the Bible is the Word of God, and where there are differences between what is said, or where there's any difference between anything in the Bible, we know the Bible wins, <laughs> essentially.
1: So, yeah. And if I can say something on that, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> is do we see this attitude in Christians today? Do you see this attitude in yourself, listener and Jay and I? Do we see this attitude in our lives that we measure every human conduct, including our own, by the standard of Scripture? Do you think after every action, is this in line with the what the Bible reveals? Do you think after every opinion you utter, is this what the Bible reveals? Do you think after every book you read, is this what the Bible reveals? Every sermon, is this what the Bible reveals? Every religious opinion, is this what the Bible reveals? Because I think we are approaching an era that there's never been a point maybe in the last 200 years where more people believe in the inspiration of Scripture within the Southern Baptist Convention and within Presbyterianism and within all of these groups. And yet we've never been in a place where people cite it less. This is for me, a hobby horse and it is rant worthy. I will say Ooh. is Twitter has taught us that we don't have room for Bible references for scripture citation. We have room for our opinion, but but we don't have room. We don't have enough characters for our citations. We see We see presidents of seminaries, we see pastors, we see ideologues, we see the average Joe Christian, we see all these people posting opinions, and how dare they, how dare I, how dare you, Jay, how dare all of us think that we have the right to have an opinion that doesn't have scripture citations? How dare we think that? We don't. Everything is tested. And maybe I am specifically referring to certain events that have come up recently with Christians wholesale embracing organizations, I think are counter to the gospel, counter to Christianity. But I think that this has been a trend for a very long time now, especially in the technological age, is because I have a platform and everyone has a platform, I'm allowed to have an opinion. No, you're not. You're allowed to have only the supreme standard by which all opinions our tried. so jay you've actually been asking for a rant for a while and i haven't given it to you i think you just did
0: are you are you satiated you satisfied yeah. this is where i need to ask our fairy tale editor slash producer to like pipe in a warning burr, burr, burr. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> right right <laughs> before josh dives in there about two minutes ago make it happen Alex.
1: <laughs> I know I'm not a I don't have the clout or the love of the people enough to have like that one thing that I like say, but I'd be okay if just like Sproll has what is wrong with you people and Paul Washer has why are you clapping I'm talking about you. If it was just me saying you don't have a right to an opinion. <laughs> Anything from that rant, I I'm happy wow. to put in quotes. I think it's it's wow. true. What a blessing. But that was quite a long rant. We got a rant, everybody. Yes. So let's go ahead and move on. And I will cool down. I promise. No, no I don't. Coffee you drank. That's right. I did just drink some coffee. I was having a caffeine headache.
0: All righty. Last one. Last sentence here. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation, which, wow, is another one of Josh's favorite topics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I Josh, am to refrain. tell us about it.
0: Why don't you all tell right. us about
1: it? it it's wise. Okay. See, that's prudent.
0: Okay. Yeah. And Josh can just come in and off the high rope and really blitz you guys with some great <laughs> facts. But all scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. So the Bible is not, and this is another, you know, Christian euphemism the Bible is not a collection of stories, it's one big story (laughs) it's God's story (laughs) it's his Um, story history that's right that's right oh gosh dang it I missed the best (laughs) part dang (laughs) it (laughs) but yeah the bible is meant as we said earlier to point us it has salvation at its end right so it's all pointing to Christ and I said that Mm -hmm. word very carefully around you um, you do because
1: I am pleased um,
0: (laughs) It's all about Christ, right? I mean, again, it's it's kind of one big story. It has, again, a lot of different moving pieces and not – I guess there is there is debate, right, about whether every single verse is, like, directly about Jesus as opposed to the entirety of everything pointing to him in a way, right, like building up to him. Yeah. And I think I side more on the, the culmination, right? It's, like, all kind of in a big, long arc toward him. Hey man.
1: I I already got my rant, so I won't do it again. But I would just say that all texts do, in fact, point to Christ. And if Christ isn't the high point of your devotion every week, every day, then I think you are in some way losing track of what the text is meant to say. But on the other hand, Christ is not hiding behind rocks and bushes and trees waiting for you to find him. He's not, where's Waldo? So he's not hiding right behind David as he slings a stone and Satan isn't hiding right behind Goliath. And they're like, oh man, I hope they see this. I personally, and I know there's really good debate on this. I do not see Christ as just being there. And yet David is a king. And not only a king, David is the king who is going to be promised a lineage that will never end. And you know who's the recipient of that? Christ. Christ is the ultimate Davidic king. Where David fails, we see Christ succeeding. Where David succeeds, we see Christ doing even more, being superior. We see Christ as the superiority to all that we see in the Old Testament. And so certainly we should find him. Certainly he's there. When you're reading the Proverbs, you're reading wisdom that Jesus had, that Jesus is. Jesus embodies the wisdom of the Proverbs. Jesus embodies the sorrow of Psalm 22. Jesus embodies so much. He embodies these these values. He embodies, he's the culmination of all of these types. I can't talk about this forever or I will rain on our parade and we won't get to the end of this podcast. But christ is the goal of scripture salvation is its end christ is its goal
0: mm. well said well said yeah i mean the only little piece i wanted to add in there was like especially in like hebrews we're so reading through it right now yeah it talks mm. about how like all the sacrifices in the old testament all these animals with all these rules and all these priests and all the blood you got to spill and sprinkle and whatnot it's all pointing to Christ, right? Because Christ is better. Yeah. Once for all, right? And so. Mm. And that was the intention from the beginning. Yes. Yes. It's the point yeah. to Christ. By design.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's a good point to make. I might make a few people upset and they know who they are, I'm sure. But. They'll be okay. There is an element in which we let what the New Testament says about the Old Testament in, help us interpret the Old Testament. But Hebrews says that these are types, that the temple is a type, that, that we, Christ entered into the most holy place. We allow that to paint how we view the Old Testament's portrayal of those things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You said it. I did. Um, and maybe yeah, I shouldn't. And again, have.
0: I think that's, that's just a good takeaway, perhaps, and nothing else from this podcast is that people in their devotions, regardless where they're reading, can be looking. And asking of themselves, like, how is this pointing me towards Christ? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So Jay, here's my. I, you got a quick question at the beginning. I'm going to get a quick question at the Ooh. end. Oh. Uh, here's up. my question. You spent a, a little bit of time. I don't know how much. I don't. But like, you just spend a little bit of time studying this. What is your major takeaway for you? And I'll and I'll give mine too, of course.
0: But like, what is it that major that struck you? Takeaway. I think what we just said, honestly, because sometimes you're tired and you're like, you start skimming when you're reading through your third chapter of Isaiah or whatever. And it's like, what is this talking about? Is this that important type of thing? And would you remember like, oh, this is pointing towards Christ in some way. And it's the whole idea, right? Like we talked about, it's important because it's God's word inspired it has divine it's meant to teach right it's hoping to spur salvation so i don't know this helps you know renew a i don't know uh, a right respect for the bible as i approach it yeah not to take my time with it casually perhaps yeah that's good wbu what about Mm. you well
1: i think i would say much the same is reading through this it hit on things that i don't think i've Heard often phrased the way that it phrases, it, like perfect treasure of divine instruction, principles by which God judges us, God's revelation of Himself to man, these like weighty concepts. And I think it's basically what you said was every morning when I do my devotion, it's not me just doing some light reading. It is one of the most spiritual acts I will do that day. It might not be the most emotional or spectacular or loud or Sensational, but it is maybe the most spiritual act I will do that day is to read the Word of God because through it God communicates and He teaches me. So I mean, I think that's that's my big takeaway.
0: Very similar to yours. Wow, good job. Some might say you just copied mine. It is. It's yes, but you can wrap it up in a nice, flowery pastor speak, and
1: I mean, that's what I went to seminary for is just to be flowery. That's right, y'all. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You have fallen into my trap.
0: Um, All right. All right. Wow. We nailed it. Like, we're looking at an hour right now. But, of course, with editing, it might get shorter. It might get longer. But, who knows? You know, thanks for taking this trip today on Jan Josh's pirate ship. (laughs) (laughs) As we, I don't know, cruise around the pirate, as pirates of the, some might say, Caribbean. (laughs)
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll come back next week. Honestly, Jay, I really enjoyed this. I think that next week we'll we'll probably try and do the next one, which would be oh, God. Oh, yeah. Uh, though I am realizing there's now three that sections. there's four technically because there's the paragraph just under God. So we might actually take four weeks to do all of this if we choose to. But don't hold us to that. It is our pirate ship. We get to do what we want We are the pirates who do something. Check back next week. We'd love to hear from you uh, on the website or in any way you can contact us, I guess Facebook, but that'll be it for
0: today. (laughs) Yo homie ladies. (laughs) Oh my gosh.